Hey, this is Dr. Bruce Becker from Time of Grace Ministry. Thanks for joining us today for another behind the scenes look at our upcoming Time of Grace message series. I'm here with uh, Pastor Mike Novotny and he's gonna tell us a little bit about it today. Say, Pastor Mike, coming up in September, we have a four week message series on prayer. Now, prayer is not only a favorite topic of Christians, but also a favorite activity, at least I hope so. <laughs> so I'd like to spend some time looking at each of your four messages on prayer. The first message is titled, Be Like a Helpless Child. Now, in the message notes, you ask a couple of good questions. You ask, who is the greatest prayer that you know? And if you could give out a gold medal for the most impressive prayer life, who would receive your prize? Those are good thought questions. <laughs> now, you point out that during Jesus' ministry, he actually gave out such a prize and that the recipient of it might surprise us. Could you tell us what Jesus was talking about and to whom he gave this prize? Yeah. Yeah, good to talk to you again, Bruce. Um it's pretty cool when when I think of the uh, oh sorry the few uh, <laughs> no, uh, um, I'm just gonna stumble and stutter for a while and would that be okay with you? I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably should ask our listeners that. <laughs> All right, sorry. This is the worst introduction to a podcast I've ever done. So you, all right, everyone has bad days. I'm having one of those. Um, yeah. What was Jesus talking about with the greatest prayer, like P-R-A-Y dash E-R, person who prays? His his shocking answer was a person who prays like a child. It wasn't this like wise sage up on a mountain who was like closing his eyes and spending hours and hours in personal conversation with God. His example of someone who was great in God's kingdom was someone who resembled a child. And actually it kind of stuck with me when we did this sermon series here at our church in Appleton, the core, um, I actually invited a preschooler that I knew named Asher, a little four-year-old to come up on stage with me. And he came up with his mom and dad. And it was this class. This is like a God moment. Cause um, I had him give me a high five. So little kid toddles over to me, boom, gives me a high five. And then I'm like, let's do that again. Let's do a running high five. So he backs up like little boys do. He gets his engine revving. And then just as he starts running to me, I kind of stand up from my crouch, all six feet, one and a half inches of me. I stretch my arm up as, as tall as I can. And I go <laughs> way up on my tiptoes and he <laughs> like stops like mid stride. And he just looks up at my hand. And it was this great teaching moment, right? Because I said, come on, Asher, just do it. Like, give me a high five. And he spoke, and I didn't prepare him for this, but he spoke the two words that I was really, really hoping that he would say. He said, I can't. I can't. And so I kind of crouched back down to him and I said, well, if you really wanted to get to my hand, do, do you think there's anyone who could help you? And I started gesturing over at his uh, his dad, who's standing a few feet away. And our uh, someone on our team caught this great picture where dad picks up Asher by the waist, lifts him way above his head, and he gives me this perfect high five. So, you know, to me, that that those two words, I, I think, are the foundation of a strong prayer life. 
if I think going throughout this day that I can, like, hey, with my abilities, with my strength, I can do that. I can get to work safely. I can be a good dad. I can be a good pastor. I can be a good whatever. Then, you know, prayer is nice, but I don't need it. But if like Asher, I kind of look up and think, oh my goodness, I, I, I can't. All the things that could happen on the drive to work, God, I, I can't. I, I need your help to keep me safe. And, and I could get up here and then talk and preach at these people, but I can't, I can't make them believe it. I can't make them listen with an open heart. I, I can't give them faith. I can't strengthen their faith. So God, if anything good is going to happen in church, like, I need you to show up. And so I really saw that. Like it, It's kind of pushed me. Even I know people listening to a podcast can't see, but on our notes for today, on the very top of my sheet, I just wrote the two words, I can't. And I think that really gives us the, the mindset of a child. If, if we're just little kids in the kingdom, we need our heavenly father to pick us up for us to do anything good. You know, this last week, I can really relate to that. I've been praying for something and and just praying and being persistent in it and everything and so on. But yesterday, I just said, Lord, I can't. I can't, can't do anything. It's all you. Mm. And the answer to that prayer came last evening. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I love your illustration with Asher and uh, just that uh, teaching moment in a very visual way. And uh, that's uh, that's a, it's a great message. And uh, glad you uh, told us a little bit about it today. Now, in the second message, I really liked how you talked about two problems with people's prayer life, as well as the solutions to them. So can you tell us about the two problems that you've observed and what the solutions are? Yeah. So I, being a, a Bible teacher, I totally hijacked the problems and solutions from Jesus. So <laughs> I was uh, given a message on Matthew chapter six, and that's where he's kind of going the sermon on the Mount talking about, you know, when you give and when you fast and he has this section, it's actually where we find the Lord's prayer in Matthew six, where he's talking about prayer. Uh, and that's the spot where he, he has these two problems. The, the first problem, he says, you know, some people love to pray, which sounds really good. Like, wow, you don't just do it, but you love to do it. He says, no, some people love to pray standing on the street corners to be seen by other people. So it's interesting. Like some people that maybe you think are really good at prayer because you always see them praying makes you wonder like, why, why are they praying? Because uh, Jesus said that could actually be a problem. And he, he calls them hypocrites in that teaching. Um, the the Greek word for hypocrite is someone who hides behind something else, like who hides behind a mask. So the mask might look like this, but the real face behind it is very different. And so Jesus says, that, you know, there's this problem where instead of thinking about God when we pray, we're thinking about ourselves and other people. You know, I wonder if I look or sound very spiritual right now. Um, I actually see this a lot when, when I ask people to pray sometimes in a group and they think, I, I can't do that because I'll look dumb in front of you. Like, what? <laughs> wait, wait, since, since when was this like, hey, let's impress each other by how we talk to God. You all, you should eavesdrop on me right now because I'm about to talk to God and, oh, you'll hear the words that I use. I'm going to sprinkle in some scripture there. You're going to be blown <laughs> Like, oh my goodness. That is so obviously not the point. but. Sometimes because we like to impress people, 
that kind of infects the way that we pray. And instead of just an honest, humble conversation with our Father in heaven, we get sucked into these pretend prayers. And, and so Jesus' solution was the closet. He says, the closet. Go, go into the closet. A closet is very small. <laughs> you can't fit a hundred of your adoring fans. You're going to squeeze into there next to your robes and your sandals and shut the door. And then it will just be about you and God. Then it will be impossible to try to impress other people. So Jesus wasn't saying that praying in public is wrong. He was just trying to make a a really extreme point that, that prayer isn't about impressing others. It's about communicating with our father. So that's the first problem and the first solution. So what's the second? Uh, the second uh, isn't pretending, it's babbling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the pagans who who babble on and on and on and on because they think that they're going to be heard by their many words. So th- this made me think of being back in high school when I had to write those like term papers or essays for English class. Like if I <laughs> if I wrote to my English teacher, I can't help period, and submitted that, she'd be like, uh, no, no, I need like 800 words or 1,000 words or 2,000 words. So you know, we, we kind of think we need a certain word count for something to be good and worthy. Uh, but Jesus just blows that up. And he says, that, you know, don't be like pagans. In their pagan religion, they think, oh, God has to be impressed with me. He has to see how devoted I am to him. I can't just pray a desperate, forgive me, amen. Like, I, I have to, have, well, he's God, I'm a little person, so I have to get his attention with all these words. And so Jesus' solution to the babbling is just believing that we don't need to impress God because he already is impressed with us. We don't need to earn his approval because Jesus has already given us God's approval. So it stops being like this distant God that we need to, to work towards and then no wonder in like the very next verses, he says, no, this is how you should pray our father, right? My kids, if they need my help, don't have to give me a term paper. <laughs> if my daughters are scared, they don't have to ask me for help with 500 to a thousand words. They just have to ask because the relationship of love is already there. So I love how that fits together. If I would re-preach that sermon, I think I would call it the closet and the cross. Hmm. Like if you're pretending, go to the go into your closet. Uh, if you're babbling on and on because you don't believe God loves you, go to the cross and find all the comfort that you need. As you were explaining this, it occurred to me that in the first problem, the person is trying to impress people. Mm-hmm. In the second problem, the person is trying to impress God. Boom. Amen. Amen. Sometimes, All right, with that you know, amen, <laughs> the second message, let's go on to the third one. <laughs> That's the problem with our podcast, Bruce. That when we talk about it, I think, oh, shoot, I should have said that. <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds like too much work. So hopefully people can watch the show and watch listen to the podcast and best of both worlds. In the uh, third message, you teach about Jesus' story of a persistent woman. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that story and especially what can we take away from it? Yeah. Oh man. So this is from Luke chapter 18. And I, (laughs) if you don't think Jesus had a sense of humor, you have to read the parable of the persistent widow. Um, The gist is this woman wants justice and she can't get it. 
maybe because she's a widow in the first century, she doesn't have resources or position or power. So she reaches out to this local judge who can give justice and she is relentless. Like, <laughs> that's why she's called the persistent widow. This judge can't get away from her. In Jesus' story, the judge isn't a good guy, but she is like, you know, I picture her at Starbucks when he's in line saying, hey, hey, I need justice. And he tries to take his lunch break or go to the bathroom. And she's there, you know, inside the, the men's bathroom saying, hey, hey, I need justice. And he tries to go home and she's waiting in the driveway until finally he just wears or she wears him down and he gives her exactly what she was asking for. And Jesus kind of turns around at the end of this story and he says, and, and won't God give justice to his people? You know, when we cry out to God day after day and night after night, how is it if an unjust judge, if a sinful man who doesn't love people can be worn down by persistence, like how much more a heavenly father who loves us, who cares about justice and who loves it when we talk to him in prayer. So this is one of those cool parables where Jesus actually gives us, or the Bible gives us the, the reason why Jesus told the story. Mm-hmm. And Luke 18 says, and he told them this parable so they would not give up, but continue to pray. Great explanation of that. The fourth message is about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he was betrayed and arrested. By the way, our good friend, Pastor Jeremy, is the one who uh, delivered this message. Now, Jesus prayed a prayer that his heavenly father said no to. Mm-hmm. So what did God say no to? And more importantly, why? <laughs> Part of me is glad that uh, Pastor Jeremy covered this because it is, it is one of the great, great mysteries of the life of Jesus. You know, he and the Father are one. His will was the Father's will. He, he did what the Father sent him to do. These teachings are just constant with Jesus. And yet he gets to the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and the great mystery is that apparently the anguish of suffering for the sins of the world was so heavy that in his humanity, he, he cried out in faith and in humility, Father, if there's any way besides this, you know, he's basically asking, is there an alternative to the cross? Is, is there a way that we can bring sinners back into our presence without me going through this? To which the father says, no. And Jesus in perfect obedience says, well, then father, your will be done. So man, that if you don't think, if you don't think that sin is serious, I mean, as Jesus bears the weight of human sin in that moment, think of that, the son of God, perfectly obedient, always trusting, asked his father in prayer, is there another way? And so, man, we see the seriousness of sin. And at the same time, just the, the insane compassion and love and willingness of Jesus to die in our place for our sins. Yeah. That, that time in Jesus life really just kind of reveals that relationship between Jesus and his heavenly father, just that, that communication back and and back and forth and, and how in the end uh, the result was, is, was for our benefit and that Jesus did the will of God and went to the cross. Yeah. It's just striking me that Jesus was persistent then too. You know, he doesn't just pray it once. The Bible says he goes back and he prays it again. Then he plays it a third time. So he, he is, 
he is persistent. And yet the father who wants to be just and justify us from our sins at the same time, like that's his perfect answer. Mm-hmm. Well, you've already hinted an answer at my next question I was going to ask you. Because I was going to ask you because there's something special about this fourth message. And mm-hmm. um, uh, Pastor Jeremy is is the one who delivers it. Uh, do you have any um, insights on Pastor Jeremy that oh, you'd like to share? No, I, I mean, good good things. Come on. I uh, oh, no. well, in that case, I have nothing to say. <laughs> no. no, if uh, a lot of people out there uh, know Pastor Jeremy, they they love him. He preaches for us on occasion. He does a lot of our grace talks. Uh, an amazing, an amazing gift of compassion. So um, you and I know that what a week or so ago we had our first ever time of grace staff retreat, and Pastor Jeremy came with his wife Karen. And uh, after the retreat was done, he had led this Bible study for us. And I've been getting surveys from all the members of our staff. And, you know, people had different opinions about the hotel and the food and the events. But the one, like, constant piece of feedback from almost everyone is just how refreshing and life-giving it is to be connected to Jeremy's teaching. Uh, He just comes with such a huge heart, such a gift of compassion. Um, The the more and more I kind of learn from him and and sit at his feet when he's teaching, like, yes, this is the guy when the world is jacked up and you're stressed out and you're overwhelmed or you're feeling guilty. Like he is such uh, a God given gifted, perfect voice to produce in you the fruit of peace and joy to know it's going to be okay because God's still in control. I Certainly agree with those comments about Pastor Jeremy. Well, this series is entitled Pray Like a Pro, and thanks, Pastor Mike and Jeremy, for uh, for doing it for us. Our listeners can watch or listen to this entire series over the coming weeks by going to our website at timeofgrace.org. This month, we have a brand new book that complements the Pray Like a Pro message series. It's called The Power of Devoted Prayer. But there's more. There's a daily prayer calendar, and there is a bookmark that focuses on prayer. All three uh, we're offering this month. Could you tell us a little more about this book and why it's such a valuable resource for our listeners? At least I think it is. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a unique collaboration. So uh, I wrote about half of this book, and then Pastor Mark Jeske. Uh, that many people remember the founding pastor and lead speaker of Time of Grace. Um, he has a bunch of his writings in it as well. And it's kind of this really neat mashup of teaching about prayer and then a really easy way to start to pray. So there's passages and then there's journaling prompts. There's instruction on prayer and just some honest teaching about the obstacles that get in the way of prayer. So you know, if someone's kind of brand new, like, yeah, no one ever really taught me how to pray. I think this book is a great place to start. Or um, like in my case, if you've had all the teaching, but you just kind of feel not not great, like you're not a pro at prayer just yet. Uh, I've personally found this a great resource to kind of kickstart my prayer life too. Well, in the introduction to the book, I you make the confession. Uh, you wrote, I stink at prayer. <laughs> that kind of took me uh, 
<laughs> by surprise. Well, what do you mean by that? That you, you, Pastor Mike, uh, stink at prayer. Well, I can say that, but you're not allowed to say that. That hurt. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm not trying to be modest when I say that. Um, when I think of the different kind of aspects of my spiritual life, there are some things that I, I feel pretty good about, like not perfect. I know it's all God's grace, but when it comes to attending church, when it comes to Christian music in my home, when it comes to reading the Bible, like these things, I have some really strong habits that I'm, I'm really happy about and grateful to God. But when it comes to prayer, yeah, I, you know, I sometimes thought, why is this part of the spiritual life so hard for me compared to the other areas? I love God. I love his word. I, I love his presence. I love my relationship with him. So I've, I've been thinking about that a lot. I'm, I'm 40 years into my Christian faith and it's still like a, a job and a, a hard task to pray. Like in the morning, I will just like binge podcast after podcast, sermon after sermon. I'm on double speed. I could be on podcast number seven for the day. And I still haven't taken like five minutes just to pause and to pray. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if other people kind of share my experience. I don't know if it's because I'm a learner and prayer is often talking to God. And in his word, he talks back to us so clearly. So, you know, maybe I gravitate towards what I can learn instead of what I can hand over to God or ask God or unburden to God. So I'm oh, spiritually psycho. Maybe you can pastor me, Dr. Becker. I'm not sure. But <laughs> yeah, so that, that's why this book, I mean, I don't get every time a grace book because it's kind of weird reading your own words. But I got an advanced copy of this book, and it's on my nightstand right now. I'm about um, seven or ten days in, and I'm, I'm personally going through the journaling prompts, digging into this, and just letting God remind me that prayer is not a chore; it's a gift. And my sinful nature wants to see it as like another obligation, but it's really an opportunity to ask God and to hear His beautiful answers. Yeah, and if any of our listeners want to uh, improve and strengthen their own prayer life, uh, this is this is the book for them. Our listeners can get a copy of The Power of Devoted Prayer, uh, along with the prayer calendar and with the bookmark. They can get it by going to our website at timeofgrace.org. So do you have any stories from this past month that show how God is blessing people through Time of Grace? I do. I do. I do. I'm a... I stink at prayer, but uh, I have a gift from God about collecting stories. So whenever I hear something good that just inspires me, I love to store it in a file. So I actually had one just a couple of days ago uh, that was so cool. So there's a, a young woman who kind of connected with our ministry over the pandemic. Um, she was kind of listening into the messages from my church and from Time of Grace, I believe. And she grew up in a, a different culture with a different religion. And she was kind of feeling caught between Christianity and its teachings and the, the different religion that she had been raised with by her parents. And the question she asked me was, you know, when I think about some of the things you say about Christians and what we should do and how we should live and what we value, a lot of it sounds really similar to what my parents taught me. And so her question was, you know, is, is the, the difference in religion just a difference in name and terminology? Um, is this like different names, but the same God, the same values, the same morality? 
So she threw that pitch at me and um, I pulled out a piece of kind of legal paper and I wrote two words on the top of it. I wrote the word law and I wrote the word gospel. And I started to talk about the law and I said, you know, the law is where God says, do this and don't do that. Be patient. Don't be grumpy. Uh, be grateful. Don't be vengeful. Honor your parents. Forgive your enemies. Love your neighbor. And and I kind of conceded the point to her that actually a lot of religions have most of the law in common. You know, if there really is one God who made all of us and he gave all of us a conscience, then yeah, it would make sense that we kind of have, you know, a 90% agreement on what's right and what's wrong. But then I got to the gospel and I said, what Christianity teaches is not just a list of do's and don'ts, but the great things that God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, that God came to earth to live for us. God took on human flesh so he could die for us. God conquered the grave so that death wouldn't have the last word upon us. We don't have to climb our way up to God or fix our karma or balance the scales or do enough good deeds. Like Jesus did everything. So we never have to wonder if we're good enough for God. And this young woman listened and she admitted, yeah, my, my parents didn't teach that. <laughs> like just this, this good news. And she talked about how in her, her religion, her culture, after you died, you had to hope that your family did enough good works. Otherwise you wouldn't make it to the other side and you might be stuck. You, you might suffer. And so she just started to see the goodness and these tears start to form in her eyes. And I'm about to kind of pack up my stuff and, and, uh, end the conversation. And she says to me, can I have that piece of paper? Wow. And I said, yes, you can. You know, so I ripped off that ragged topped piece of yellow paper with law and gospel and the, the goodness of Jesus. And she, uh, she grabbed it and she took it home with her. So yeah, she, she's one of those stories that I just think, man, um, there's so many people that if they would just hear a clear proclamation of the gospel, you know, not just a list of things to do or not do, but the great things that God has done, like, wow, th that could mess with people in all the right ways. So I, I think time of grace tries to do that every single Sunday and every blog and devotion. We just want to connect people to God through the good news of the gospel. Thanks for sharing that. I hope our listeners really appreciate that woman and uh, how she came away seeing uh, all that Jesus has done for her. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you wrap it up for us today? Yeah. Thanks for, Hey, I, I think this podcast ended better than it started. What do you think? Oh uh, yeah, you scared me at the beginning. <laughs> it is shocking to me how the how the human. I have a page full of notes, and suddenly, I had nothing to say. So thanks for uh, bearing with me. And if you're out there, you might be tempted to give like a one star review after today's podcast. But I hope you are gracious too and merciful. Um, yeah, we're so grateful when you tell others about what we're doing. Um, not for our sake. Um, we have enough approval through Jesus, but we would love for more people to hear about God's grace in Jesus. So if you'd be willing to take just 30 seconds, rate, review, share this podcast, uh, maybe share it specifically with a friend who could use a little help with their prayer life, uh, we'd be super grateful and they would be super blessed. So thanks for taking time, Bruce. We'll catch you next time on the Time of Grace podcast. All right. See you then.